You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Rain. Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. Welcome to Mission Lab. I'm Camille Brace and I'm here with my husband, Sean. And today is episode nine and it's the stat show. So I'm actually super excited about this show because as I've mentioned before, I was a history major. And so statistics and numbers, when it comes to history, not really like math and science, but when it comes to history, really excite me because they're very concrete things that you can see and play out and everything. So I'm going to give you a bunch of stats and I'll try not to mess them up as I'm saying them, but just listen and I'll try to go slow as we go over them. So 23% of Americans identify as nuns. Now, nuns, I'd, like Catholic nuns. So I'd actually never heard that term before. And that's what, what exactly what I thought of, Sean, when I heard the term nuns. But when you're looking at religious affiliations, like on a card placement or something. There's all these check marks for what you are. There's also a box for none. So that's what that none actually stands above. for. None of the above. So N-O-N-E-S. <clears throat> yes. So 23% of Americans identify as nuns. That act, that number has actually gone up 10% over the last decade. About wow. that same percentage, only 25% of people in the United States identify as Bible-believing Christians. So it's about the same. It's about the same, yes. So nuns are going up, Bible-believing Christians probably are going down. Going down. Yes. Well, you know, number-wise. Yeah. Correct. So if you look over in Europe, um, less than 10% of people in Germany and France attend worship services. And if you look at Great Britain, only 10 to 15% of those people are attending worship services. And that's services. relevant here because... There might be people living in Germany and France who are listening to this. Right. No, there might be. That's relevant for them. But it's also kind of a foreshadowing of what is probably to come well, in just the gives United you States. A, it just gives you a worldwide perspective of yeah. what's happening all over, not just here in the U.S. Yeah. So if you look at statistics in our area where Sean and I live, New England, um, 56% of people in Vermont— the state of Vermont, identify as non-religious. It's 55% in New Hampshire, 50% in Maine. Now, if you compare those statistics with the South, such as a state as Mississippi, only 11% of people identify as non-religious in Mississippi. So just to be clear, we live in the most non-religious part of the United States. That's and correct. And there's lots of different statistics that demonstrate that. And so we have our work cut out for us here. Yes, it's um, a very unchurched area, much mm. like Europe. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, so <laughs> what's happening in Europe is happening here. We're just a few years or a decade behind. Yeah. So if you look at our um, our specific denomination, which is Seventh-day Adventist, four out of ten people brought into the church will leave the church. That's almost at a 50% right. rate, which yeah. is just crazy to me. And then... This is a big mic drop, which Sean likes to say. 
Um, so 4% of millennials, only 4% of millennials in the United States will attend a worship service on on a given weekend. Say what? Only 4%. <laughs> I cite this stat often. I have seen different studies that talk about how many, what percentage of millennials, and I've heard anywhere from 4 to 15 to 20. Um, obviously, I like the 4% because it makes the, the uh, stat more outrageous but the reality is fewer and fewer and fewer millennials are attending worship services so that is really huge and if you fast forward two decades yeah that number if if millennials are not going attending a worship service yeah then their kids more than likely will yeah. not be attending a worship service so that well, number will just increase yeah yeah so the point is we're trying to paint a very bleak picture and the reality is fewer and fewer and fewer people in the United States and other parts of the West, the West being the developed world, you know, Europe, Australia, um, here in the United States, Canada, fewer and fewer and fewer people are being involved with religion, organized religion. A lot of millennials, by the way, I saw another stat that said like, 70% of millennials say that they're spiritual but not religious. So um, j- just again, fewer and fewer and fewer people are seeing a place for religion in their life. And it actually reminds me of a, an experience I had recently where an administrator in our particular denomination who uh, oversees a regional conference, so uh, our particular denomination is divided into regions called conferences. And he called me up and he said, Sean, we need to talk because things are going really crazy here in our particular conference. Um, their conference uh, spans a territory that has a population of approximately 2 million people or so. And he first of all told me that on any given Saturday when worship services are held in that territory, out of a population of 2 million people, there was some like 300 people who would be in a church service wow. on a given Saturday in that territory. And then he told Very me... Very low numbers. Yeah. And then he told me that based on their projections, in another 15 or so years, their churches, which number something like 25 to 30 right now, if they continue their trend, they will be reduced to merely five churches if the current projections keep going. And he says, what we're doing is not working. Now, something similar takes place in our region where our Seventh-day Adventist denomination is, and that is we basically have not grown at all. In fact, some years more people die in our conference than (laughs) are either born into or are joining through baptism or profession of faith or whatever. So now it is, now if we take a look at other countries, different continents even. Yeah. So if you take a look at Africa, religion-wise is growing. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. In the developing world, so-called developing world in South America and Africa, mm-hmm. uh, definitely the 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 stats would probably be like exact opposite like they're just increasing by which is great so whatever so they may be using the same current method that we're using 
But because of culture and place, that's working for yeah, them. Yeah, that, that works. And we want to be clear because I've, I've kind of cited these statistics to people and they'll say, oh, you just care about numbers and uh, you're just wanting to grow your church. And I want to assure every person listening that we're not about trying to convert people, but bless people. But the reality is when our version of church is putting on religious programs and nobody's coming to those religious programs, it's indicative, I say nobody, you'll forgive me for being a little exaggerating, it's indicative of the fact that we are no longer impacting society and we are no longer making disciples. We are no longer, you know, helping people become better in in Christ. Uh, it used to be that the church was a main pillar in society that, you know, here in the United States, early on in the history of the United States, the church was something that was very, very respected and everyone went to church and it had a very important role to play in people's lives. And so you could impact people and help shape and change society when you had people coming to your building but that was very normal because that was very normal but now no you know very few people are coming to our building and it wasn't about that anyway uh but if we're going to impact society as i think and be meaningful yeah and be meaningful i think we have to reevaluate how we go about you know, impacting society because we can't, and we've talked about this already before, but we can't just sit back and assume that we're going to be an important part of society because we're the church, you know? Um, There's this quote that I read recently that has been very important to me. And one of the reasons why we want to bring these stats up, which by the way, if you email us, seanbrace at gmail.com, we can supply all of the uh, footnotes for this stuff. Um, but, uh, it's called leading change. And, uh, the reality is we need to lead a culture change in our, our churches. And, uh, we need to be the church and be who Christ wants us to be. But we're, we're not going to be able to do that just by doing the same thing over and over and over again. And we've talked before about attractional versus missional but in order to get people recognizing that we need to change um this author uh, and this is a book that was published by harvard business review uh he says we need to make the status quo seem more dangerous than launching into the unknown so merely maintaining and merely maintaining the status quo and doing the same thing over and over and over again, we need to recognize that that is actually more dangerous than launching into unknown territory where we don't know exactly what it might look like, but we know that that is critical for survival. And what actually breaks my heart is that a lot of times it takes virtual congregational death help us say we got to do something different it's like it's almost like self-serving like oh no someone no one's coming to our church anymore so we better do something different now sometimes even that doesn't get us to do well i've been so surprised at the amount of people who are 
fine with the status quo mm. because change is so hard for people. I mean, it's it's hard for me. It's yeah. hard for little kids. It's hard for old people. And I think it gets even harder the older you get. And Tell us about it, Camille. <laughs> funny. Um, so, But why is that? Like, why are we afraid of change? And why are we afraid of trying something different? Because it's an unknown. Because of a fear of failure, I think. I mean, you know, we're only so far along in our journey of really trying to do church differently and really trying to be impactful in our community and really be intentional about meeting the needs of our community. And we don't know what the end product looks like. We know right now that we're doing the method that God has instructed us, instructed us to do, which is to reach out to people. And to um, be community and be... Be real and be present in people's lives. Living out the good news, yeah. Um, So I think a lot of times it's a fear of failure, um, fear of the unknown. But we've the status quo is. I love how that quote put it. Like we need to be more afraid of that. Mm. And I've just been so surprised at people who literally want to just maintain the status quo mm. like they mm. they don't want to step out of their box they don't want to do anything differently uh they see that change needs to happen and they see that and they say they want change to happen but they're not actually willing to do anything about it mm. we got to be the change that you want to see right you know i think part of it goes back to our gospel our gospel identity um <laughs> When, when we recognize that our security and our wholeness is in Jesus and his love for us, we no longer have to find our security in tradition, in routine, in doing the same thing because we have the freedom in Jesus, like he sets us free. Yeah, and it's not like we're just pulling this concept out of our own minds. It's it's literally what Christ has instructed us to do, mm. uh, to go out and make disciples. And because, like you said, church is no longer relevant for so many people, we therefore need to get out of our churches and mm-hmm. go meet those people. Mm-hmm. That's not to say we're not going to worship Christ and not Mm -hmm. have a church building where we can worship and praise God. We definitely are going to still keep doing that, but we've got to get out and, and stop trying to put on those programs in our churches and really go out and be the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, and and it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I don't necessarily view these stats as a bad thing, believe it or not. I'm actually excited about them because it has forced us, and I mentioned this, I think, probably way back in the first episode, it has forced us to go back to the authentic experience of what it means to be the church. Mm -hmm. The authentic experience of what it means to be in community, on mission, making disciples, going out and being the light to the world, going out and being the hands and feet of Jesus, which, uh, by the way, just as a side note, speaking of the gospel, I saw someone tweet out today, we always talk about wanting to be the hands and feet of Jesus, but think about what actually happened to the hands and feet of Jesus and what happened to them. Yeah, they were nailed. They were nailed to the cross. So if, if we're going to be 
living out the life of Jesus by his grace, we're going to expect to have to sacrifice of ourself, which might mean our traditions, what might, might mean our routine, which might mean that we're going to have to surrender our, you know, version of and thinking about what it means to do church. Um, not to say that we're trying to get all crazy and like, you know, bring in the clowns and the dancing bears and stuff. That's not what we're talking about at all. We're talking about being the church in the everyday stuff of life. Yeah. And so uh, that's what our appeal is. So uh, anything else on this subject before we go to the practical bit of advice, Camille, no, that you I just, are going to present to us? I just love, I love the stats. I love that we can look at them and we can see clearly that what we are doing as a church, and that's across all denominations, is not working anymore. And we really need to reevaluate in our own minds, in our own communities, in our own um, church buildings, what we can do differently. And that's kind of along with my practical advice. I would advise and like suggest that if you're listening to look at your own um, church body and look at your community and ask yourself if your church body is meeting the needs of the community around you is your church body getting out and going out into the community and and like we've said before not just doing soup kitchens although those those are great Mm -hmm. but like really living life with people are are, is your church body are are they living and doing life with their neighbors with their co-workers um with those around them and that would be um probably where I would start first. Yeah, so just as a, a team of leaders at a church say, mm-hmm. prayerfully ask God to sh- reveal to you whether you are, we are making a tangible difference in the lives of the people around us or are we simply saying, "Hey, we have this great program and we have some things that we think you need to hear." And this is not to say that they don't need to hear them. But they won't listen to us until we first listen to them and go to them and serve them and bless them. And yes, we want the gospel to impact the world. Yes, we want to make disciples, which is what we're trying to do. But, um, but we need to meet people where they are rather than assume like, you know, it's like Jesus said, you know, if, if, uh, if, your, if your son comes to you and asks for a loaf of bread, Will you give them a stone? It's like sometimes it feels like we're doing that. We have people all around us, neighbors, coworkers, friends, who are desperately wanting something and they have needs and we're just like overlooking them because we think we have the answer that they're looking for. And yes, ultimately, as I said, to repeat myself, the gospel is at the foundation of what they ultimately need, but they won't be open to that until we have met them where they are. So that's critically important. So yes, ask that question. And Camille, I'm going to let you have that final practical piece of advice for today's episode. So thank you. Nothing else as we wind down and close. On- yeah, again, if you want the statistics um, and the footnotes for those, you can email Sean at seanbrace at gmail.com. Yep. And he'd be happy to share those with you. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. This has been Mission Lab. Thank you for listening to Mission Lab. Our theme song is Portland Hike by Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ergay. Follow us on Twitter at MLab.
podcast. Thank you.